This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. You know, guys, faith is three things. One, faith is knowledge, where you're given the answer. You're given the solution. How many believe that the answer and the solution is in the Word of God for everything? But once we have that knowledge, there has to be an aha moment to where you're like, you know what? I believe that. I believe that that is the answer. But here's what happens is some people hear the answer, but they're not convinced of the answer. So they keep doing what they're doing and getting the same result as they're getting because it's not the answer. But when we have the true knowledge of God, the truth that comes from the Word of God, there comes a moment where you have to say, hey, I assent to that. And today I'm going to give you some truths from the Word of God today, but you're going to have to get to a point in your situation where you're like, it's not just the Word, it's not just the Word, but you get to a point where you say, I really believe that's the answer. I really do believe that's the answer. And then you've got to take it to that third step. As you march out of here and you put that Word to action, whether you see it or not. That's why the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of what we don't see. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek after Him. So today when you hear the steps, let's assent to Him and let's say, hey, that is the answer. But then let's also act on it. Because the Word of God has value. How many know that the, 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 the... Name of the sermon today, if you want to grab your insert, the message today is the value of words. The value of words. Do you really think that words, the things that we say, that they're really all that important? Question, are our words and our talking really, do they really produce life? Do they really produce death? Do our words, does our speech, what we say, does it really have power? Does it really have impact in the world in which we live? You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21, it says this. It says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. In other words, when you are satisfied in your stomach and you're, you ate a good meal and you're satisfied, you don't want to eat anymore, that, a man's stomach is satisfied from the fruit that comes out of his mouth. In other words, your mouth is producing some kind of a fruit. From the produce of the lips, he shall be filled. Let me paraphrase that, what we just read. The quality of your life is dependent upon the words that you speak to some degree. Y'all believe that? The quality of the life that you're having is dependent upon what's coming out of your mouth. Because the Bible says that death and life or in the power of the tongue, and those who love it, those who talk it the right way, will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, if, if, if this wasn't in the Bible, I would question that. I'd say, really? Death and life are really in the power of the tongue? And you know what? Here's another thing that, that happens. is people have exaggerated this truth in Christian circles, People have exaggerated this truth to a point where they're, they're saying, I've got this and I've got that. And they're using that scripture to just get everything that they lust for, or they desire. And they use it all for self, 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 self. And us Christians, it's like, man, I don't believe we should use the scripture like that. But what happens is we push the whole truth 
to the side and say, hey, we're not going to believe that there is power, that there's the power of life and death in the sun and the lips and our talk because these people have exaggerated. These people have used it for selfish gain and have, have taken it to an extreme that you're like, man, I can't go with that. How many know what I'm talking about? In fact, it's almost sickening how people take that to the extreme. People take all kinds of stuff to the extreme. I'm telling you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't weird. It's not crazy like you see portrayed on TV and you see portrayed by some people. The Holy Spirit's not weird. So some people's like, ooh, stay away about the Holy Spirit talk because some people exaggerated it and made a spectacle, something that's really good to where some good people are like, well, I don't want nothing to do with that. Then you hear prosperity teaching. Guys, God wants to prosper us. But then you hear people that exaggerate that truth and they take it to an extreme where us people, the truth-bearing foundational people, were like, well, I don't know about that prosperity message because we see people taking it to the extreme to where we just throw the whole thing out. Healing. I mean, you can, anything in the Bible that, that really is life-changing, people are going to take it to an extreme. But just because people take something to ex- an extreme doesn't mean that it isn't a truth that we should live by. Are you all with me? Our senior class was the last class that they let have a senior trip because we partied so hard and we did so much nonsense and they couldn't find our our group and we got lost and people were hitchhiking home and drunk all over the... To where 1986 was the last year of senior trips because my class screwed it up for everybody. That's what I see in the church world is certain people take good biblical truths and they screw it up for everybody else because they take it to an extreme to where we like, ooh, stay away from that. But brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, the scripture teaches that death and life are in the power of the tongue and that words really do matter and words really do have impact. And the current situation that some of you are in is because you're speaking death to your situation. Over and over and over. In fact, you'll come to a meeting like this and you'll get fired up and you'll get prayed for and you'll get touched. But almost before you get to the car, you've already unraveled everything you gained at church with your mouth. With with our negativeness and our criticalness instead of standing on the truth of God's Word. It's like we can't hold the victory for two seconds. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who find it will find a satisfaction and their stomach will be filled. The first point on your insert, it says a world made by words. A world made by words. You know, the world we live in was made by words. God had a vision of a world that he wanted to live in. God had an idea or an idealism that he really believed in. And he was uh, committed to this idea that this would be a world that everybody would want to live in. He envisioned that in his mind. He had that in his heart. And he took and he spoke. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be water. And God said, let there be the the lands divide from the oceans. And God said, let there be birds and the fowls of the air. And God said, and God said. So the world that we live in and the vision that God had for this world, it was created by the words that he spoke. Now I ask you. What is the world that you envision? What is the marriage that you envision? What is the business that you envision? 
What are relationships and friendships that you envision? How do you envision your relationship with your son or your daughter? How do you envision relationships? What is that relationship that, 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 that you really got in your heart that you want to have with your wife, that you want to have with some people? That's the way it started with God. The world that he wanted started with an, an, a vision and something he believed in and something he thought would work. And let me tell you something. It's okay to dream. It's okay to envision a better place. It's okay to not, not be happy where you're at and content where you're at and know that there's something greater and there's something better. But as you grab that from the Word of God, as you read the Word of God, and as you begin to align, when you come into agreement with God's Word, the next thing you do is you align your life with what it says, and then you begin to have an assignment to where there's different action steps that you can put into your life to where that world becomes a reality. Are you all with me on that? So you see it in God's Word, you align yourself with it, and then you begin to form your words that perpetuate that world that you want to live in. God created the world with words. We create a world we live in by words. As humans, we are created in His image, and therefore we do have power and authority in the words that we say. Three truths that I want you to say about the words we speak. There's three truths about the words we speak. One is words, the words we speak, they have power and force to create the world that we want to live in. Okay? Two, our words have the power to release either life or death to others and ourselves. And three, our words have the power to release life when we agree with God and death when we agree with Satan. I don't want to get on this because I just got so much time. But you know angels are messengers sent from God. And if you study angels, what their job is, is when the Word of God is spoken, they move. They move. And they carry out the Holy Bible, the Word of God. They carry it out in the Spirit. All right? How many know that when angels fell from heaven... It says that a third of heaven fell when Lucifer fell. So that means that one-third of angels fell to the earth. But how many know there's still two-thirds good angels? There's more of us than there are of them. Amen? Come on. There's more of us than there are of them still. But an angel's an angel. You know, this stand is created to hold a microphone. And that's what it's going to do. It's going to hold a microphone. This stand is was created to put some books or some paper on. That's what it does. An angel is created to carry out the word, the word of people, the word of God. God's angels carry out his word. So that means that when we speak critical words, when we speak damning words, when we speak cursing words. In fact, Paul said it ought not be true that bitter and sweet can come out of the same mouth. When we speak those words, listen, there's something that happens in the spirit. When you speak death, death angels move in the spirit. When you speak life, God's angels move in the Spirit. I believe that to be a truth. Words connect us to God. Words connect the spiritual realm where God lives to the natural realm in which we live. Before we were saved, um, our sin caused this great big chasm. And you might say our, 
our sin caused this great, great big chasm. And you might say that there was a bridge over this chasm. Our sin, like, blew up the bridge. It blew up the bridge. But what God did is He sent His Word. The Bible says that Jesus is the, bre- is, is the bridge. He gets us from where we are to where God is. The Bible says that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word, in John 1.14, the Word become flesh and made His home among us. So God sent His Word. So His Word connects us, which there was a chasm. But words connect God with man, and the bridge is words to where we can come to God. It's a connection. In Acts 11.14, when Paul or Peter was talking to somebody, they said, hey, this guy's going to come to your house, and he shall tell you words, whereby you and your house will be saved. So the connection with God and man was when Jesus, the Word, was sent to the earth, and that Word made a bridge that connected us back to God. So the Word connects. So when you get saved, that's why... You guys all know this, Romans um, 10, 8 through 10. It says this. It says the word, I'll be quoting King James, says the word is nigh you. The word we speak, the word of truth. The word which you've heard, it, it's right there. In other words, when you come to a church, you hear Jesus, the word, being preached. It's, it's here for everyone. And then it says, now confess with your mouth. The word's there. Jesus made that extension to us, the words there, but you complete that transaction by confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believing in your heart, and then you enter into relationship with the Lord. So connection is by words. Disconnection is by words, but also connection is by words. We're connected with God through words. So I say today, let everybody complete that transaction. As Jesus reached out to you with His Word and words to reconnect with you and to build that bridge to you through Jesus, completing that transaction is with your mouth, with words in relationship, saying, hey, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that He died and rose on the third day. And the Bible says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Words. So words connect us to God, but words also connect us to each other. Listen to this. The way we connect with God is through words. The way we connect with or disconnect with people is also through words. Anytime that you've got to disconnect with someone, words are involved. If you go back and look what you said or what they said, the problems you're facing and the issues that you're having... It started with words. If you go back to the bridge, hey, we have bridges. Just like there was a bridge in the Garden of Eden, we were one. But then it got blown up, and there was a chasm. Brothers and sisters, you've got relationships. You're married to somebody that you blew the bridge up with. You're in relationships at work. Boom, you've blown the bridge up. There's a disconnect And there's a big chasm because of words that were spoken. There's a disconnect. But I'm telling you, with the same words that you spoke to disconnect, you can get the right words of life and reconnect 
and build that bridge. Because words connect us. Are you all with me today? Words connect us with God. The Word, Jesus Christ. And we have to complete that transition and have two-way communication. But then also words connect us with each other. Now, in that beginning, um, it said, um, A man's stomach shall be satisfied. You guys read that. He who finds um, the power of life and death. Uh, death, and, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I think this is very interesting. Look at verse 22. It says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains or receives favor from the Lord. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that it sits and talks about life and death are in the power of the tongue? But then all of a sudden it says, He that finds a wife finds a good thing. Do you think that's a coincidence? Or do you think that God knew that people were going to blow up bridges and to create World War Threes in their homes because of an undisciplined tongue and words of death and words of pain and things that were said and things that were done. Wars are started with words. You've got a war in your home. started with words. And He tells us in our marriage, there's a reason that these scriptures are side by side. There's a reason. There's two truths we need to understand and practice in marriage. I'd write this down if, if I was you. There's two truths we need to understand and practice in marriage. One is learning to say things with taste and with grace. You need to get out, you need to get you out of your vocabulary. Learning to say things with taste. Learning to say things with respect. Learning to say things with discreetness. Okay? And then the second thing is realizing that our spouses are good for us. Realizing our spouses are good for us. You know, when me and Carmen started out marriage, just like the rest of you can relate with, now after 29 years of being married to my first love, and still is my first love after being married to her 29 years. But in our beginning years, there were areas that she was good for me, but I didn't realize it. In fact, when she would speak out in those areas, I didn't like it. And it would cause schisms. And it would cause uh, uprising in me. But as I grew and I matured and I got a little older and I had a few bumps and bruises... I started to realize something. She's really good for me. She's really good for me. And some of you have been married for 50 years and you still haven't figured out your spouse is good for you. She's really good for me. She's really good for me. And the other thing is, is, is there's two things that make for a good marriage. One is in the beginning, uh, there's areas where I'm good for her. But the areas that I'm good for her and the areas she's good for me, in our beginning forming years, we didn't have taste in how we brought that across. And so words were exchanged and bridges might have got blown up. But as we got older, we started to respect. I'll tell you what, I never see my paycheck. 
You guys are quiet today. I, I never see my paycheck. I know I get paid. I, do we get paid? I know I get paid. I'm lucky if I get $10 a week. In fact, I was, man, on vacation, buddy, I had $2,000 of $100 bills in my billfold. And, ooh, that felt good. Carrying that around. I never get to carry the money. She always gets to carry the money. And, you know, after all that, I've got five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. I got fourteen dollars left. Come here, little brother. Come here. Here's fourteen dollars. I'm broke. You know what? We spent the first fifteen years of our marriage being broke because I carried the money. And and, and, and and all of a sudden, no, he gets to keep that. You get to keep that. You get to keep that. I'm already in hot water. I spent the whole 2000 You get to keep that money. But at one point, I mean, God would bless us and say, man, the Lord told me to give you $400. I'd give it away before the day was over. And then, but I got to a point where I realized she's good with me for me on that. And she got to a point, instead of telling me what I couldn't have and what I, way I couldn't handle money or you do this, which she didn't. She's real graceful on that. But we both grow. You grow in taste how you say it, but you also have to grow in realizing they're good for you. Hit your spouse and say, honey, you're good for me. You're good for me. It takes two, babe. You're good for me. You're good for me. Amen? And... Uh, you know, even this week in doing marriage counseling and talking with people, it's not a, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know why some of your marriages are crazy havoc. I mean, if you talk to each other like you talk in front of me, it, 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 there's no wonder why. Say things with taste. Get you out of the vocabulary. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, that is a truth that can produce something good. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know, uh, the next thing I want to tell you, that was one, one good one. The next thing I want to tell you is the man and the husband and the father that I am today has much to do with the world that Carmen created with her word of faith. I'm a product of a great wife that has spoken good words over me since the day she said I do. My wife has spoken good words over me when I didn't deserve them. My wife has spoken good words over me when I wasn't what she said. My wife has spoken good words to me when I was far from what she wanted. Wives, if you want a good husband, make him with your words. Husbands, if you want a good wife, make them with your words. I'm telling you, that is a truth. Make them with your words. I remember one time in Wyoming, um, I was hollering at the kids and yelling and screaming and uh, making a complete idiot of myself. Has anybody ever done that? Anybody ever done that? Come on. Making a complete idiot of myself. Um, walking around angry. Walking around in a bad mood. Walking around 
uh, mad at the world, yelling at everything, doing stupid stuff, dumb stuff, where there was finally a blow-up where the kids were upset, karma was upset, I'd hit the ceiling, this was years ago, and uh, now it's time to go to bed. I've never been in that spot. Now it's time to go to bed. We go to bed. We climb in bed. Carmen lays down. And usually, with what I did, this happens. If she laid down normal, you know what happened? I did that. I put my back to her. Here's why. I knew the jerk that I was. I was already condemning myself. I was already saying, what's wrong with you, Brian? I was already regretting what I said. I was already regretting what I did. But my wife had enough good sense to where instead of getting in bed and flipping her back over and making me pay, I was already paying. Most people are already paying. I didn't need someone to turn over and tell me what I already knew I was. I didn't need someone to point out all of my things that weren't right. I was already doing that to myself. And most good people, that happens automatically because God's conscience is in you. You know what she was doing? She started rubbing my back and saying, You are an incredible husband. You are such a good father to our children. You love to play with them and do things with them. You're an amazing provider. You make me feel safe when I'm with you. It breaks me. Even to this day, it breaks me. Because I can still hear her doing it. But when I was laying my head on the pillow, tears made a puddle here. And they overflowed and started going over my nose and making a wet place on the bed. The Bible says in Romans 2.4, it says it's the long-suffering and the gentleness and the kindness of the Lord that leads men to repentance. Wife, make your husband with your words. Follow it up with actions. Create the world you want to live in. You have power of life in your speech. I believe that. Your stomach will be satisfied. Your vision will speak. Your husband will change. Your wife will change. It it, it can work out. You can be satisfied. There's something else I want to talk about. Because I call this the great transfer. The great transfer. I'm throwing a lot of stuff out there today, but there's the great transfer. I want you to write that down. I want you to think about this. The great transfer. I don't ever want you to forget this. This wasn't in my sermon. I just felt the Lord say to do it. But in a marriage, I do this. I say, dearly beloved, we're gathered here today in the sight of God in the face of this company. Join together this man, this woman, the holy state of matrimony. It's a holy state 
Therefore, it's not to be entered into unadvisedly or lightly, but reverently, discreetly. In the fear of God, these two now present come to be joined. Okay, I've been doing weddings for years, right? But then it, when that happens, when that happens, the father, when that happens, the father is holding his daughter in his arm. When that happens, all the church has stood up. And then at that time, we put a charge on the people, and you guys say, yeah, we do. Then we put a charge. But listen, here's what the charge is to the couple. Hey, couple, will you create a life together with God the center of it? If that happens, it requires that you honor one another, that you live together after God's Word. Hey, will you love her, comfort, honor, and keep her in sickness and health? Will you forsake all others? Lord, accept one another for all that you are. Embrace each other in all of your complexity. This is both God's blessing and charge. Can you live together in courage and honor whatever time that's unfolding mystery may bring? And then after that, listen to this. Listen to this. Then I say, who gives this woman to be married? And at that time, the dad takes the hand and he gives it to, he, he lifts her thing off, he gives her a kiss, he hugs her, whatever. And then he gives that hand to that guy. Listen, that's a transfer of authority. That is the father saying, hey, I have loved her, I have protected her, I have taken, this is my baby, I've taken care of her. We sacrificed for her to go to college. When she needed track shoes, her mother took her birthday money and bought the track shoes. We nourish her. We've done everything we can to give an atmosphere so that this daughter can raise up. And when you're handing that daughter off to that son, you're looking him in the square in the eyeballs and say, are you going to protect her? Are you going to provide for her? Are you going to give her safety? Are you going to nurture her? Are you going to sacrifice for her? This is my baby we're talking about here. And I'll tell you what, whoever gets the hand of my daughter, Brayden, my golly, I'll open up a can of whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, this is my son-in-law. I ain't too big. He ain't, I ain't too old to give him a Missouri whooping. Okay? If we have to pull... No, anyway. Uh, but I transferred that to him. I transferred that. But I'll tell you who else is watching. Is Braden's mom and dad are watching Caitlin. And they're saying, you going to take care of my son? You going to be good to him when his head's in a toilet throwing up all over the place? Are you going to love him? Are you going to keep him? Are you going to be good to him? And they say, I will do that. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.